It's the Braincast, Braincast, the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, listen to the show Because you're in for the PopBrain.com Braincast, Braincast, oh This is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at thepopbreak.com. I'm here with Ann Hale and uh, Tommy Tracy. They are, and we're both going to, all three of us are going to talk about uh, Halloween. You guys want to say hello? Hi. Hi there. All right. Um, now, Ann, you wrote the um, review on the site. Uh, why don't you give us a little overview of what the new Halloween movie is about? Sure. Um, so it's been 40 years since... Um Michael terrorized Laurie Strode and, and killed all of her friends. Um, and once again, he's escaped from Smith's Grove uh, Sanitarium mm-hmm. um, and is coming back to kill Laurie Strode, um, who is now a mother and a grandmother and has spent the past 40 years just really preparing for this exact day, knowing that Michael was going to come after her. Um it's basically, you know, I mean, it, and it's pretty simple, really. That's that's the main plot, but um, there's a lot of little. I mean, it's just chock full of Easter eggs, really. It's it's, I'd say it's more of a movie for fans than anything, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you it's guys, a, it's a basic slasher movie with like a lot of meat to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you guys have both seen um, like every Halloween that's been made, correct? Oh, gotcha. Like, more than more than ten times, probably, each. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't seen anything but the first two, I think. Um, yeah. I, I That's guess. not to imply that they're all good. But yeah. That's a fact, actually. <laughs> You're completist, and I appreciate that. Um, so, Tommy, uh, Anne, you, you, you wrote a pretty glowing re- review on the site about it, um, and people can read that. But, Tommy, what did you think about the movie? Did you... As a fan uh, of the series, were you pleased by it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'd say it's it's tied for the second best Halloween sequel, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, with like the original Halloween two. Yeah. Um, it had some it had some problems, like you know most horror movies do, um, but they're pretty much forgivable. I'm sure we'll get into like some of the stuff I didn't like about it later. Um, it was the most hyped movie for me all year, and that includes like Avengers. So that's that's saying something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, I mean, I have a gigantic Halloween tattoo on my arm, so <laughs> I, to say I'm a fan of the series is, uh, is, uh, understatement. I, I was hyped for it and it met 99% of my expectations. Why don't we dive right into what, what that 1% of things that you weren't quite into was? Uh, Yeah. So, um, a few of the things I didn't like was, like, some of the weak character development, and I know that sounds kind of silly, um, when you're talking about a slasher movie, because no one really cares about the characters, but there were some, um, things I didn't like, for instance, the, uh, the doctor, I think his name was Dr. Sartain, or Sartain, or something like that, I can't even pronounce it, um, he, he was just kind of pointless, and he had, like, ideas I didn't really, I thought were like, oh, that's interesting, and then they sort of took away from it at the end, like, the... Michael can't live without the Laurie situation, and then it just never came to fruition. Yeah. Um, 
and just to say, uh, you guys can feel free to spoil everything. This is going to be a full spoilers podcast, so don't even dance around something if you want to uh, talk about it. They also called him the new Loomis, and I'm like, come on, you're not you're not Donald Pleasance, dude. Like, you're never going to be. <laughs> um, and I wasn't a huge fan of the um, the podcasters um, whose names Dana and Aaron. <laughs> yeah, um, which I was actually really excited for because I like love true crime, true uh, true crime podcast. Sorry. Um, like, Making a Murderer is, like, one of my favorite podcasts ever. Um, and I just thought that was going to be, like, an intriguing storyline. They were going to kind of, like, make it for a long time and, you know, have more meat to them. And instead they were, like, boom, Michael, boom, Lori, boom, dead. And I guess their whole point, as Anne pointed out to me over text, was they were just there to get Michael his mask and kind of piss him off at the beginning. Which they did. But I, I kind of thought those characters would have been so much more interesting if they were to live a little longer. Yeah. Um, those were my two biggest complaints with it. Um, however, everything else I loved from the death to the Lori storyline to how brutal Michael was yeah. to the score to the atmosphere. I mean, I mean, I could gush about this movie for hours, which I've done the past four or five days. So. Uh, that's what the podcast is for. So, and, uh, you, he mentioned that Tommy just mentioned that you guys sort of talked about the podcasters and things like that, uh, before, but were you in the same boat about the podcasters? Um, I mean, they didn't get too much attention in your review, so I'm, I'm assuming that you also were sort of lukewarm on the way they were used. Um, yeah, I feel like they were just there to do, like, to to be an Easter egg for Halloween H20. Mm. That was it. The bathroom scene. You know, that, that was pretty much, I mean, that was their point. Yeah. <laughs> would, you, would you mind explaining that a little bit as someone who hasn't seen a Halloween H2O and, and I'm sure there are a number of listeners who won't get that Easter egg? Yeah. So at the very beginning of Halloween H2O, Michael, um, the, he gets his, he steals a car from a woman and her daughter that stop at a, uh, public rest, a public rest stop in the middle of basically nowhere. Mm. Um, I mean, he doesn't kill the woman and her kid, but, that bathroom scene was very obviously meant to be Halloween H2O. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Halloween 4 a little bit, too, because they had the, uh, he killed the mechanic for the jumpsuit, and then yeah, it's like right. the red white ice, ice box. It was kind of like an homage to kind of both of those, which was really cool. Yeah, I mean, that was, and, you know, to get him his mask. They couldn't, Michael couldn't have, or could have gotten his mask really any way. They could have done it any possible way. But they put in these podcasters, and... I mean, they, they didn't serve a purpose, really, just to, what, give Lori Strode three grand? What did she do with it? You know, like, there's... Right. Yeah. Like I, that's interesting. I, I actually... I, I, I listen to a lot of true crime stuff as well and, and watch a lot of true crime stuff. Like, um, I spent one Christmas a couple years ago watching hours of Wives with Knives with a, a aunt of mine. Um, but... I, I don't know. I kind of was... I, I assumed that the podcasters were a bit of um, like a joke about how true crime is having a moment and how it's often so like... Their their stance is almost like they want to take pity on, on the Michael Myers character rather than Lori's character. And she sort of emphasizes or points that out in the, in the brief conversation they have with her being like, you know... I, I live in a house and had my life ruined and and he killed five teenagers or whatever and I'm I'm the I'm the weirdo you know, um, yeah. but it you're right it does do, go sort of unexplored and they do die very quickly I I was surprised that they didn't feature in any way 
they're really just like the way the the plot kicks off. Um, and that scene is really gory. I, I don't know what the rest of the um, series is like, but I found the gore of this one, or not even the gore, just like the nastiness of a lot of those murders, um, quite surprising. Also the high body count. I, I don't know if a lot of them have such a high body count, but it seemed like every two or three minutes we were getting a murder in this thing. Um, is that normal? <laughs> Uh, it depends uh, on the movie. Yeah. yeah, I'd say with the Rob Zombie, it was more in line with the Rob Zombie ones, which to me is not a complaint. I actually enjoy both of those. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's he's really not that gory. Like he's never been like Jason or Freddy. No, he's always been kind of I'm just gonna kill you and you're gonna kind of deal with it. Yeah, um, the, there's I, there's I love always the gore in this though because I think he's been pissed off for 40 years mm-hmm. that he was he was ready to just unleash on everybody, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. That's an interesting point, because I, I, I found it a little, like, the, the gore of it a little distancing, because it just felt, like, so um, antithetical to the first film, which is really the only one that this one is acknowledging, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, although, I mean, it has to acknowledge the second one, because how does he get caught otherwise? Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I didn't, that's actually a good point, though. You're right, he would be furious having been there for 40 years, but... I don't know. It's um, I, I, it actually, it just took me out of it a little bit, just as like how like, sort of brutal the teeth thing was a lot. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that a lot. It's badass, but it it was it was I just wasn't sure if it was in the right movie. Um, yeah, the one the one that really got me was, and they show it in the trailer. You know, he like goes through the hallway or the the garage and like picks up the hammer and kills the old lady. And then you see in the trailer he goes to the other lady's house and sneaks up behind her. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I saw this whole kill in the in the trailer. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And then he just sticks the knife right through her neck. Mm-hmm. And I I never gasp. I you know I'm so desensitized to these movies as much as I enjoy them. Like I'm never like, oh crap. And that one maybe audibly go like. <gasps> As, yeah. as it happened, I was like, "Whoa, did not see that coming." Yeah, and you yeah, mentioned the baby. Yeah, I was gonna say you mentioned that in your your review yeah. that that people baby sort of reacted it. that way. Like, yeah, I, it's almost like the movie sort of trains you to expect him to kill basically anyone for any reason in, in an almost like um, completely I don't know, um, except for Lori, of course, and like her family. It's it's all like random almost. Um, but what did you, you 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 pointed out the baby moment? Is that your your favorite kill in the whole thing, Anne, or, or or well, non kill, I guess? Well, I mean, so in what ten movies, uh, you never see Michael kill a child. Well, you never see adult Michael kill a child because you see child Michael kill a child in yeah. you know, Rob Zombie ones. But I mean, he attempts to, but he never does. So when he actually kills that kid in this movie, that little boy, yeah. And then he kills the Mrs. Elrod character, and he kills the Alice character, and then he goes, you know, there's, he goes after that baby. You think that he's going to kill that baby. And, I mean, I was there with, um, I was there with a friend who just, you know, she's, she has a baby, mm. and I just, I heard her gasp and just, like, hold her breath until he left that baby. Like, it was insane. The whole theater got silent. Like, you could, you could hear people just, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, that he, part freaked me out. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought I was like, oh no, <laughs> and I, I never like, like that. I don't have to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I never like to see dogs get killed, but I know Michael's gonna kill dogs, and I'm kind of used to that. But the baby, I was like, oh no, Michael, <laughs> you're gonna make me turn on you. And I'm, you know, I go there to see him, not 
him and Lori is what I go to see. <laughs> um, him killing the kid, though, kind of shocked me, because that kid was, what, like 12, 13? Yeah. Maybe. And that's, you know, that's young. He's always tried to kill Jamie Lloyd, who was, like, seven or eight, but he never got to do it. Over that kid, I was like, oh, he's just going to, like, bash his head against the window and throw him out of the car. And, no, uh, he broke his neck, and that kid was done for. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's, it's interesting now much the, um, there's, there's a lot of, like, people who are just there for, like, cannon fodder, essentially, but... It is interesting how, like, that character especially, we sort of dig into his, like, personality and his dynamic with his dad and, like, who the, that kid is for so long that I was like, oh, I just assumed he was going to survive or whatever and that, like, he just knocked him out and then maybe he'd wake up later. I don't know. Um, but then he never came back and then I was like, you know, 20 minutes later, I was like, well, I guess that kid's dead. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just thought he, like, knocked him out. So... But th- that happens a lot in the movie. Like, there's um, the little, like, the podcasters are an, uh, an example of that. And the um, there's that other kid that um, the her friend is babysitting. Um, oh, Julian. Yeah, who's hilarious and very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah they, that was great. And, like, the, her, and, her and the kid had, like, this great rapport going on. And then... He sort of runs off at some point, and then I was like, "Oh, I guess I guess he's gone too. Like he's not dead, but I, he's just running around the neighborhood now. I don't <laughs> I don't know. It but it picks up and drops um, characters a lot. Um, and it well, he's Tommy Wallace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Um, his line about the the I know the abracadabra is you smoking weed, and then her talking about the I think her name was Vicky mm-hmm. talking about the um, his browser history. That, I feel like, is when you really saw the uh, Danny McBride script come in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like those little moments, because, you know, like, she, again, I said something about the character development, and a lot of characters didn't get that, but Vicky, I felt like, in that small amount of time, had enough character development where I felt bad when she ended up getting killed. I liked Vicky. Yeah. I yeah. liked Vicky a lot. I kind of liked her more than Allison, honestly, Lori's, uh, Lori's granddaughter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a... Lori's granddaughter and, and also Judy Greer's character, who is the daughter, uh, Karen... Uh, there, we ha- we have to get into them at some point. I think now's a good time. Um, the it, uh, one of the things for me that the movie was sort of that I kept grappling with was that like I kept he- maybe it didn't help that I'd kept hearing that it was this sort of like Me Too reading of of the series in a way, um, or that you could put that onto it, and it was like about like three generations of women reacting to this like single um, point of historical trauma. But I don't know it the. And I think you even sort of alluded to this, Tommy, is that the it feels like it's Michael Myers is the main character in this, and then, like, everyone else is sort of just, like, orbiting around, and the three Strode women are are the focus, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like all three of them I didn't get enough digging into. No, yeah, I feel that. Um, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Lori, I mean... The, the thing is, they made the movie mostly for the fans, I think. And yeah. Lori, we've spent a lot of time with her, so they don't need to do too much with her, if that makes sense. Like, everyone knows who they're getting with Lori Strode, um, even though Jamie Lee Curtis was incredible in this. However, I think I think Karen, who was uh, Judy Greer's character, mm-hmm. had, like, in her smaller moments, had, like, a lot of depth to her. Yeah. Um, I thought she was, like, kind of a damaged daughter, which makes sense. You know, they show her... Yeah preparing uh the murder house i guess is what you'd want to call it um as a young child and then she got taken away from her mom and then her mom's still crazy like i actually liked her she wasn't in it too much but when she was i thought like every 
scene with her was impactful. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's like all of that is through dialogue. It tells us all these things about all of them. And like, but really the person we actually spend the most time with is, is Michael, which I don't know. I just like, we can say that this is a, uh, like we want to talk about what it's like to be the final girl and, and the way female trauma can be sort of passed on through generations. But then shouldn't we give a shit about those women? <laughs> In the movie, like, I, I don't know, and how did you feel about the the screen time and the way we dug into those three characters? I didn't really like Karen all that much mm. until that one scene where she was, you know, sobbing and going like, I can't do it, yeah. I can't do it. And then when he showed up, she was like, psych. Yes. <laughs> that one moment, I was like, oh, I like her. But otherwise, I just thought, like, you know, your your mom is fucked up because this dude tried to kill her. Yeah. Murdered all of her friends, and all you care about is you. Right. Like you don't... R- r- right, absolutely. You, don't, you but, don't understand? Like, really? You don't understand why she would be fucked up? Yeah. You're telling her to just get over it? Doesn't work that way. Yeah. No, that's... But what, the granddaughter, she gets it. Yeah. That's what I mean about, like, if we're gonna make this about the way that one single night of trauma has, like, rippled through the years to three generations of women, it's like... Why aren't we digging into Karen more and, like, why she is the way she is? Because she gets, you're, you're, you're totally right, she gets the most, like, badass moment, hero moment in the whole thing. But it's, like, I don't, it's, there's so little paid attention to her before that. And for the most part in the movie, she's basically this, like, plot device to keep um, Allison and Lori from interacting very much. Um, yeah. Did you like Allison? Uh, Tommy, you said you didn't, you weren't a big, you weren't as into her, but how, how did you feel about her, Anne? Um, she, she was all right. <laughs> she, was, she was just, like, fine. Yeah. She was all right, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like, I, you know, I always call my grandma Nana, so I don't like someone calling her grandmother. That kind of freaked me out a little bit, and I don't know, I can't explain it, but I don't want someone running around who's not a psychopath going, Grandmother? <laughs> it is a weird choice. Or, like, a small British girl. Yeah. yeah exactly. And she, this girl was not British at all, so it was a little weird. Yeah, that was Yeah, a- I liked Vicky way more than I liked Allison. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Vicky, Vicky was like a really good character for the very short amount of screen time she liked. And I liked her idiot boyfriend, Dave, too, even though he was kind of a dumbass. But Well, they were like the Linda and... Uh, I thought they were the Linda and Annie. Lip, yeah, yeah, they but were. They were exactly. likable. Like if you, I mean, I love Halloween, but Annie and Linda are, are bitches, you know? They're not horribly likable characters. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> one, one does wonder how Laurie is friends with those people, because they seem like like the worst two people. Yeah, they're horrible to her. They treat her like shit. Yeah, and she's like they're a sm- smart gal, and they're just like, you're a dumbass, Lori. Like, you know, just like dress a little nicer, you old maid. I don't know. It's very strange. Well, like Annie's smoking, you know, they're smoking weed in the car, and Annie hands it to Lori mm-hmm. when they, you know, she sees her dad. It's like she's willing to throw her best friend under the car, or under the bus, you know? <laughs> That's a good she point. She not give a shit about anything. I know. You also got to think about that. Like, if Annie gets caught with weed by her sheriff dad, he's not going to do anything. No, mm-hmm. he's not. <laughs> He was too stupid to even smell it in the first place. That's true. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Allison is a weird thing because it's like uh, she is sort of supposed to be like this, I don't know, audience surrogate in a way like I don't, that we're supposed to enter or, or at least, I don't know, I think we're maybe supposed to split our sympathies between her and Lori because they're linked. Um, in a way, and like they seem to understand each other on a on a deeper level in a way that Karen doesn't. Um, but yeah, she's, I don't know, it's like, 
she she has like a couple decent moments where she's interacting with Lori and they she seems to accept that her grandmother is having a hard time you know living through her trauma and dealing with it um and then she like there's that that Halloween dance that she goes to with her boyfriend who um they, they dress up as a gender swapped Bonnie and Clyde and like that is supposed to suggest that like she's something there's something interesting going around uh, going on about her but like we never get to see that on screen and like I don't know they have to do so much like bigger stuff like carry the weight of this bigger idea that like Vicky doesn't have to for instance so she could just be kind of like fun and interesting but I don't know I, I don't I don't know why all three of those women for at least me didn't like I d- just didn't connect on 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 the screen I'm not really oh, sure. I think they were trying to make Allison Lori. They were trying to make yeah. her the 2018 Lori. Sure. She was the pretty smart girl. You know, well, she actually had a date. Lori never got one. No, nope. because, you know, her date caught on fire. But. Hey, not in this timeline, you didn't. Not in this timeline. <laughs> That's true. But, <laughs> yeah, um, they, they just, they spent too much time making her the new Lori. Yeah. Right. It's, and there already is a Lori. Right, which is why I felt for Karen the most, because, I mean, if you think about it, and, like, excuse my language when I say it, but Karen got kind of fucked in this whole situation. Like, Allison didn't really have to go through what Karen did, but Karen had to go through she did, and she is a completely different person than both her daughter and her her mother. Yeah. And that's why I kind of thought Judy Greer's role was, and I just, I mean, I love Judy Greer either way, but I, I just thought her role was kind of the most interesting out of the three. Yeah, she she has, like, the biggest arc in a way and like has to play the most levels like realistically Allison is just like um teenage girl who feels sympathetic for her grandmother and then is being terrorized in the same way as her grandmother and then like Lori is just like trauma victim um who is trying to struggle like deal with that and then eventually becomes like reacts with like violence when she's finally threatened again um but yeah I I I could see that like Karen and Karen has sort of a a bigger a bigger arc um and you guys mentioned or you mentioned the um the way it is or the way the the soundtrack and stuff earlier did you both like feel thrilled by the score um of this one i, I thought it was like it, it deployed the sort of theme in it just the right ways yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah I, I it's like amazing yeah I mean, anytime you say, hey, John Carpenter's doing the score, uh, <laughs> I'm there. And I think he, he made the original score um, his, like, you know, a little a little more modern. And then he, he sprinkled in some, like, newer stuff mixed with old stuff. And it, it just really worked. He's kind of a genius. I mean, he's a great filmmaker regardless, but he's a fantastic musician, yeah. composer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, like, it's really smart. Because sometimes you can, like... I was watching The Omen and The Omen 2 yesterday, and there's it's the same um, composer for both. And the, in the second one, it sort of starts off with, like, a there's a slight disco tinge to the to the theme, and it's like, well, this is not the time for disco. This is The Omen. Um, <laughs> and this is, like, there's, there's some electronic sort of, like, flourishes here, but it never detracts or feels like... Like, it, this feels just as timeless as the first one, in a way, the... The, the music and I, I think that's pretty impressive considering you know often when you modernize something like that it just turns into a disaster um, it's also shot really really beautifully like the the dark it's a lot of it place t- 
takes place at night, obviously, in, like, dark spaces. So it's... But every frame is really interesting. And, like, the camera is is really mobile and, and constantly, like, putting you in... Giving you so much of, like, who you should be sympathizing with in any scene. Um, how did you guys feel about the way it, like, looked visually? How does it compare visually, actually, to, like, any of the other ones? Go ahead, tell me. Um, I mean, it, it's shot better than, I think, any other one aside from the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a lot of uh, bitching online about, oh, it doesn't look like, if it's a continuation of John Carpenter's, it doesn't look like John Carpenter. No. You are never going to be able to replicate how a John Carpenter movie is. No, film stock is literally like, different than it was in the 70s. It, it's impossible. Yeah, there's only one John Carpenter, and he made this original movie on you know, a shoestring budget. This one is a, you know, a big Hollywood production. Um, but I think David Gordon Green did, like, an incredible job. I mean, I, I wasn't going in thinking, like, oh, cool, he's going to make it exactly like John Carpenter. He did what he needed to do visually, and I think some of the shots are, like, incredible. There's the one where, like, the police officers are looking at uh, uh, Hawkins's car when it's, like, stopped on the road, and then you just see Michael, like, appear out of, like, the left of the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, like, that's such a good shot. He's, like, barely there. And same with, like, when he's going, you know, around the house to, to kill the, the lady who's nameless, the one he stabs through the throat. All you see in the, like, you see her center screen, you see Michael far off onto the right, like, barely just walking past the house to get around. And I think those are such, like, brilliant shots for a slasher movie that you don't get very often because, you know, it's, you're supposed to be focused on what's in the middle and instead you've got, like, everything kind of going on in the corners and that's what, that's as as close to John Carpenter as I think you're ever going to get without having to just rip off John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually, I mean, that's the scene that I thought was like really impressive in terms of like just visual style was the, um, the when they first come upon the bus crash, which calls back to the original two, but also again, it's like, listen, film stock is different now and also they have money. So it's mm-hmm. there's so much more detail in that in that image, but like the way the the fog is used, um, to sort of obscure everything that's happening and make it seem sort of like something is off about it all. You know, it's already a strange sight, but it just heightens that even more. Um, and it's sort of like uh, it, every time a car comes up, it's like oh no, like what could be hiding just behind them? And and the placement of the camera in that whole scene is really good too, because it's like. You never know where Michael is going to pop up all of a sudden. Um, I actually found it really tense in moments. Um, I mean, I get obviously it's a goal, but like it really builds tension well and and makes you sort of frightened. How did how did you feel about that, Anne? Were you were you like I mean, you're probably you've seen so many of these that nothing probably even registers anymore. But was it at least were you was your audience reacting with you know in a frightened way at least? Oh, yeah. I, I, I even did. Yeah. And like you said, I don't freak out at movies. I don't really get scared at horror movies, but the final showdown in the house when she's going from room to room searching and, like, putting those cages down to block, you know, to, like, corral him in. Mm-hmm. That was intense. That was really intense. Yeah. Um, all three of us were, you know, up in the back row just, like, <laughs> like legs up on the seat, like, holding our knees. Just uh, I looked over and... and you know, my friend had her sweatshirt up over her mouth. <laughs> like, I mean, all of us were freaking out. It was that. I don't think that. 
I think the last time a Halloween movie hit me like that was Halloween 2. The Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Well, I know people are going to give me crap for it, but that opening scene in the hospital with Octavia Spencer. That's so good. Oh my god. That was, that was the only other time that I can remember in a Halloween movie that I was just like terrified of what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really effective, a lot of the scares in this. Um, it just... I think it's again it's like the way they have him kill so many people and uh, and and people he usually wouldn't kill like you know kids and stuff um, that makes you like worried anytime anytime there's someone sort of walking around in a dark area I, like by the time those two cops drive up on him and um, the car that like Allison and and the doctor whoever died in um, it's like, you're like, oh, Jesus, these guys are going to get mutilated so bad. <laughs> you know? Oh, and they did. <laughs> they, they do. They really do. Doesn't he make one of their heads a jack-o'-lantern, essentially? Yeah, it's a man-o'-lantern. No. <laughs> Damn it, you got me right before I was about to say it. Oh. <laughs> um, I agree, though, that the house scene where she's kind of going room to room and the the um, bus scene, are they're not like immediately scary mm-hmm. until you kind of think about it while you're watching it and you're sitting there like where the hell is he and that's what makes that so scary and that's what I think separates like Michael from Jason or Freddy because you know Jason's like a weird teleporter who can pop up anywhere and <laughs> he won't get you in your dreams but Michael is a, they call him the shape for a reason he can manifest in the most random place and it's if you never know when it's going to be because he's got like that you know that dark figure with the white mask and those, both of those scenes, I'm sitting there like, he's coming from somewhere, mm. and I do not know where. And those kind of, they, I mean, they're, they're not like, oh, my God, it's so scary. What's going to happen? But it kind of just makes you think and, like, linger and, like, shit, what is going, like, when, when is he going to appear? And when he does, it scared the shit out of me both times. Yeah. The closet scene. Ooh. Yeah, when, uh, what was that, Ray, right? It kind of came out of the closet. With, like, with Vicky, body, when, right? when um, Julian says that there's or asked her to close the closet door. Oh, right. And yeah, like, and that was oh. in the trailer, and that still even scared me. I was like, yeah, oh, fuck, I kind of forgot. Because they call him the boogeyman, and yeah. where's the boogeyman? He's in the fucking closet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There he is. Julian's yeah. terrified of, of everything. You know, he wants her to leave the door open. Right. And here's was, this freaking boogeyman in his closet. Yeah, the, the one that got me, like, really bad, and it's not even, like, that immediate of a scary scene, is when... The doctor is explaining to Allison, like, what she wants between Michael and Lori. And, you know, Michael's kind of knocked out and he doesn't have his mask on. And then Allison looks up and all of a sudden his mask is on and he's staring right at her. I audibly went, oh, fuck, like, really loud. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh. And then, you know, he kills the doctor, which was a great kill, gory yeah. and beautiful. Yeah, but I was like, oh, my God, what is he going to do? Because I did not expect him to kind of wake up in that moment. And then he immediately did and had the mask on. Yeah. And I think... I think they set up scares really well in this. I mean, it's not the scariest movie ever, but it, it's got, like, its moments. Mm-hmm. No, it's really great at building tension. And that, like, her getting in, being stuck in that, the back of that car with, that cop car with him is like, holy shit. I mean, you, like, you're waiting for him to wake up that whole time in a way. And then even when he does, you're still like, holy shit. Like, it, they lull you into this, like, false sense of security throughout. And it's really, it's really clever. And that closet scene is that is the same too. It's like again, like you guys said, it's it's in the damn trailer. We should all know it's coming, and yet it still scared the shit out of my audience. There were like full screams, um, including the three girls next to me. Um, 
the one of the things I I don't and this might just be my sort of um, feeling on it and probably because my 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 experience with this series is limited but the humor um, that is in it sometimes worked for me and sometimes didn't like I don't know the thing I I had a bit of trouble sort of working with was the tonal shifts and like um, it felt a little too knowing for me overall like I could see the idea that like for a hardcore fan of the series like calling back to certain things would be sort of a fun throwback but for me at every time it like anything there was there was any sort of like knowing reference or even even when the dialogue got too too clever for like a normal human being um like all those kids are so smart and and funny and it's and Kevin like, Williamson syndrome. Yeah, it's it's post Scream slasher movies. Yeah, but I don't know. The Scream never felt I, like maybe maybe it felt new then and now it just feels tired. Um, but yeah, I don't know about like uh, it, it, the whole thing felt a little knowing for me in a way that felt like I don't know tiresome. Uh, like I just would have liked I, the tone. Just was a lot of shifts for me because it was like. There's funniness, like some of it's so campy, like the opening um, scene, essentially, where they're at the, um, where the podcasters are at the uh, insane asylum, and all the, the, the inmates, as it were, are like, basically on some sort of bizarre giant checkerboard, where they are kept in, in little squares by, um, like, weighted stones and chains, was like so heightened and insane, and all the all the angles are canted. Um, and then, I, I don't know, it was hard for me to reconcile that kind of stuff with what is otherwise, like, this brutal, slow, like, chasing down of um, Laurie and then this discussion of, like, the way the original, what happens in the original film um, changed both of their lives. Like, did you guys ever feel that, or is it It's probably not, because you've had to see much worse Halloween movies? Well, I felt like the, the, the insane asylum, I kind of felt like everybody else was crazy and seemed the most dangerous because they were going crazy. But really, Michael was the most dangerous person out there, and he was the calmest one. Hmm. And that was almost scarier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he like hides behind the mask always. Like He doesn't want to show ever his emotions, even when he's a kid and his parents take that mask, that calm mask off him. He's, he's got, like, a dead face, and he's always going to kind of have that. I mean, you can barely see it, but when he's killing, like, the mechanic in the background, there's no emotion. He's just doing – I don't know what he was doing. I think he was, like, punching his face in or something. Yeah. Um, but he's just he's just really emotionless, but he's hands down the scariest person on the planet, you know, in the Halloween universe. Yeah. But it's interesting because that moment is almost played like a visual gag um, where, like, she's that, – that the podcast woman woman is walking toward the bathroom and then through a window all the way in the background in another part of the frame you see Michael beating the crap out of someone and like people in my audience like giggled at like sort of again as as if it were a sight gag and I don't know if that was just like the audience being uncomfortable or or if it's the movie itself is trying to create that reaction but I find I found that like if it is trying to create that reaction it seems like an odd choice yeah, I mean, I get that. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw this out there, and mm. I, I think a lot of the modern audience has not seen the original, sure. which is a shame. Yeah, 
in every way, but I think they were just like, ooh, new horror movie, let's go see it, and have never even seen the original one, so they don't get kind of the the stalkery vibes that this character has. Um, and so that kind of, you know, creates... Maybe, and it could also just be tension. They're, like, actually kind of terrified. Mm-hmm. So they're they're going to get, instead of screaming, they're going to get kind of giggly instead. The, the paranormal activity audience, as I call it. <laughs> yeah, that's not a, that's not a bad analogy. <laughs> um, in fact, the, these girls next to me who were definitely very young, I, I don't know if they were over... I, don't, I, I, I suspect, like, a parent bought those tickets or something. I don't know. It was strange. But um, I felt like they must have been in high school. Um, and they, they made me feel a thousand years old because at one point, uh, or at the very end of the movie, they were like, well, who was that? Who played the mom? Leslie Mann? That was Leslie Mann, right? And then another girl, oh. <laughs> yeah. And the other girl goes, no, it's someone else. And she, and, and another one went like, and the same, the, the third was like, it's that woman who plays all the moms. And I was like, Jesus, have we, have I and Judy aged so much that she can only play She's gone from playing the best friend to playing the mom, which, I mean, isn't wrong. I guess she kind of does, though. Like, if you think about Jurassic World and Ant-Man. Yeah, she's been She's kind of just the mom now, isn't she? She's, no, playing she's Fern much. Mayo. Always. <laughs> Always Fern Mayo. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I, like, it's an interesting movie tonally. Like, it, I think it's smart for them to play to the, the modern audience in that way, like, who at least in general, sort of looks, in, looks at all films with a bit more ironic distance than, say, like, the, the audience who would have seen the original does. But I don't know. I guess it's a natural evolution, but um, I don't know. It's I don't know what to do with it quite. I, for me, as someone who, I don't know, has, has a little more, uh, I don't know, experience with, with other, like, older films, maybe it just seems like a weird choice but it's going to make a shitload of money i suppose right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's about i think 77 million in the states so yeah so far yeah that's great <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, i'm a big fan of those numbers and who knows yeah. if that won't get adjusted a little bit by the end of the the weekend you know sometimes that happens where they they project something and then on monday they're like oh jk it made like a hundred million dollars more yeah it's Not- very close to a hundred million globally so far which is i mean yeah. that's awesome for the slasher genre yeah which I see is getting a resurgence, and I am a-okay. Because I didn't get to grow up in the 80s, but that is my <laughs> my bread and butter of horror movies, mm-hmm. is really crappy slasher movies. Yeah. Um, you know, I love crappy teen 90s horror, so... <laughs> so I assume that both of you would watch uh, another... If this were to set off a Halloween series, that you would... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, just, I, I just wonder... How, and, like... I, I've seen, again, all these. They've chopped off his head. They've burned him. They've blown him up. Mm-hmm. And he's always come back. But I'm sitting there like, they're going for the more realistic approach now. How the hell is he coming back this time? And there's always... You didn't see his body. Yeah. You didn't see his body. You're right. It's like comic book logic, I guess. Yeah. There's nobody. And after the credits, you could hear him breathing through his mask. Yeah. It reminded me of the It post-credits where he's just giggling at the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know there's another one. I mean, yeah. I will, I will go see a Halloween. I mean, I saw... Halloween Resurrection in theaters twice, and I hate that movie. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I will I will be there to support Halloween regardless, even if it's a crappy movie. I'll still be there. Mm-hmm. Who does it focus on in that situation, though? You know, if because 
H2O, they kill her. They kill Lori off, right? Am I wrong about that? Or No, she kills Michael. Oh, okay. For some reason, yeah, I thought she died, too. She chops his head off with the axe, and then he... And then Resurrection just completely obliterates everything that has to do with Halloween. Ah, my yeah. mistake. Um, but Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, well, you know, they kill her off in Resurrection, but oh. Resurrection pisses me off because Halloween H2O is the perfect ending to the series. Yeah. I must have been... cuts his head off. It's done. We're good. Yeah. It's and a, then it's Resurrection brings Michael back because it's a paramedic. Bullshit. Yeah. And then they kill off Laurie Strode in a way that Laurie would never die. It yeah. It was just a horrible insult to her character. They, like, throw her out a window or some shit, right? He, like, throws her off a roof. Yeah. Yeah. He stabs her in the back and then she falls. Like, come on. Yeah, that's the one I was sort of mixing up um, with H2O. And they did that, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, if they, she was sort of like, Jamie Lee Curtis was sort of like, okay, I'm kind of done with this now. Like, can we kill me off? Do you think there's a yeah. way going forward for her if this if this series goes forward? Or do you think it would just focus on, I don't know, Karen or Allison, one of them? How, Allison. How, Allison. Allison, yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I was shocked Jamie Lee Curtis didn't die with Michael in this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she didn't. I mean, I you know, more JLC the better. JLC. But... <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be Allison. She they showed her holding that bloody knife at the end, obviously traumatized. Yeah. So. So my my friend yeah. who's only seen the original, um, she was like, "Oh my God, she's gonna be the killer next." I, I can't believe they're gonna do that, and I was like, so "Well, if you see the ending of Halloween Four, which I'll show you, you yeah. you're gonna find out that's not true at all." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they this definitely. Is a, like, this is a really up and down series, and as much as I love it, it's it's pretty stupid in the long run. <laughs> I mean, that's the inevitable thing about all any any series of, especially slasher films, that goes on for like more than three. It's like, okay, this is like you know they gotta take them to space at some point, is eventually just to. Keep things different. Um, <laughs> hey, Michael almost went to space. <laughs> or do a versus. You have to have a versus at some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's 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 true. That that happens first, and then space happens. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any subjects that we haven't talked about that you guys uh, particularly want to sort of point out? Or yeah, I want to I want to talk about the doctor a little bit because oh, he was yeah. like my biggest bitch about the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna call him. What is it? I'm looking at the cast. Doctor Ranbir Sartain. I'm just gonna call him Doctor Satan. That's way easier to say. <laughs> I just thought he was such a stupid character. Like, you know, Laurie even says, "Oh, you're the new Loomis," and I'm like, "Ooh, you will never be the new Loomis, regardless of how hard you try." And I just thought his motives were kind of dumb. I feel like no real doctor would ever act like that. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he caused the bus crash, which a lot of people I don't think picked up on originally. Yeah. But he, he was the reason that bus crashed. That's why he was unharmed and Michael got loose. Mm-hmm. You know what he was, whole, right? His whole point was to get Laurie and Michael back together to see if they needed each other. And then it just got dropped right off the bat. With, it was like a two-minute scene. Like, oh, they need each other. And then he's dead. And that never came to fruition. And his he whole... Him and, him and Aaron both wanted to hear Michael say something. So I'm like, oh, he's going to say something to Laurie at the end. And he never did. And that whole concept was dropped really quickly too and those were like my two biggest complaints besides some of the weak character development yeah and go ahead what... he was the one man cult of thorn yeah kind of he was, he was dr win but kind of not as campy and funny that was his whole purpose that's it yeah yeah well but he did get a great death scene so i i, yeah, yeah. And I bitch too much mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think it's again it speaks to how disposable a lot of the characters are in this. Um, you know, it, he it's every character is just a means to like Michael. Easter egg. Yeah, or like <laughs> almost like um, Laurie is the boss that Michael eventually has to get to, and these are all just the minor like you know Koopas and things that he has to <laughs> step on to uh, eventually get there. <laughs> Yeah. Which, which is, but they are. They're all an Easter egg to something. Yeah. You know, like, Vicky and Dave were Bob. You know, she got to be the Bob ghost, and he got to be the Bob stabbed into the wall. Yeah. And Cameron, his only reason to be there was to bring up Lonnie. Yeah. It was like yeah. oh, a 10-second blip in the original movie. Were you waiting for someone to say, Cameron, get your ass away from there? Like, I was... Yeah, that would have like, been really nice. Really waiting for it. <laughs> no one said it. <laughs> but that was it. His, what was his purpose? To no. get her away from also, the party. She could have that, been, that, she that, left that party for any reason. Yeah. Yeah, that dude was a dick. I was waiting for him to die so hard. No, he yeah, just fully disappears. Yeah. yeah. Which which was kind of a bummer. Um, and, uh, like, the friend, I think his friend's name was Oscar, um, mm-hmm. the, the kind of, like, chubby kid who tried to kiss Allison. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's interesting. Dead. And I was like, okay, well. <laughs> well, okay. he was there to wear the Tina slash Samantha costume mashup. Yeah. But there was, I mean, not even the first movie. There was a lot of references to all of them. Like, you know, you saw the Halloween 3 masks, which was, mm-hmm. you see that in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. But it's still a lot of fun. Um, Halloween 4 had, like, the, the gas station, which was also kind of like an H2O homage as well. Um, I don't know if, Anne, you noticed this, but when they're at the party, you can see the Cult of Thorn sign on, like, the wall. No! Yeah. I was just wondering about that, too. Cause I, was I saw that, and I was like, oh, shit, Cult of Thorn, please don't bring that in. <laughs> I was trying to think about, you know, her gun. She had the gun with her name written on it. Oh, and I was yeah. thinking back, and I was like, was that thorn on her gun? Like, what was the symbol that was on her gun? Yeah. Oh, it was her initials. It was like, pre-amp, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I didn't really pay attention. It was, an, yeah. it was her initials. It was just, like, K- Karen Strode. It was, a, it was a K. So it, it does actually look like... I could see how you could mistake it. But it was, a, it was KS. Yeah, there, was, there were just so many... Easter eggs that I feel like you've seen a movie two or three times just to catch it all. The, I, I, I like that, you know, everyone kind of complains about fan service now, which I totally get, and Solo was kind of the biggest perpetrator of it. Like, oh, I don't know. This, this, all from, this stuff. from what you guys are but saying, I, this sounds far more egregious. <laughs> yeah. this was, I think this was handled really well. I mean, everything was kind of small. It didn't take away from the plot like Solo did. Mm-hmm. So it was like, here's, here's the Halloween 3 masks, but they're really not that important. They're just there for you to be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Which is, that's the nostalgia I like to see. Not stuff that's like, oh, Solo's completely based off of other stuff from the Star Wars universe that no one really needs to care about. Ooh. Like Darth Maul being in it for some reason. Spoiler for Solo. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I might quibble with that. Because this is this comes back to what I was saying is that, like, they sure put a lot of work into making, refer- making references to other movies, but they didn't do any work with the characters or the story. Do you but know what I mean? they made it simple for the people that aren't horror fans aren't Halloween fans they made it simple enough like I know Tommy's gonna bitch but they made a James Wan simple so that it can make a butt ton of money from the people that aren't horror fans yeah the people that are like casual horror fans they can watch this movie they can watch people die and it's fine sure and then you've got nothing but easter eggs like everywhere for those of us that have spent our entire lives watching this Halloween series you know it's something for us and for them yeah, I don't mind. I, I could see that maybe. It's a shame that they think that they have to dumb down their product for people uh, on some level. Well, but that's how you gotta make money anymore. Sure. You make an intelligent horror movie like Hereditary and it gets, you know, bashed. Yeah, I, well, 
it's intelligent until be, until it becomes a, a sort of self self selfish little you know way to for him to explore something that doesn't get explored in five minutes. I mean, there's a legitimate problem with that film. Um, but like, I don't know. I, there's there's also a middle way of like you know there's people who have or maybe aren't extreme fans of the series, but also like this like horror um and it's not for them either like realistically they're not going to get all the references but they're also going to be treated to a movie that's not as smart as it could be because it's pandering to like both the lowest common denominator of both nostalgia and people who don't really watch horror so it's i don't know i I, that seems like a cop-out in a way but i think the i think those two extremes are the ones that are going to spend the most money you know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably true. Um, uh, and don't, I mean, I, I have complained about the casual horror fan more than I ever need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? They, they make a product for them, and I think Halloween kind of did it both ways. Not perfectly, but I think, you know, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride made something that's going to appeal to that mass audience, but also get every Halloween fan in there. And I mean, for the most part, everyone has enjoyed it. Um, you know, you're going to have people that don't like it and whatnot, but I think the they, they did a mix really well, and I, I think that's fantastic, and I, if they're going to reboot or, you know, do a sequels to, like, Friday, Nightmare, Hellraiser, whatever they want to do, kind of mix them both, because it, it's worked pretty well. They did that really well with It. You got people like me and Anne in there who are diehard horror fans, and like, oh shit, we've read the book, we've seen the miniseries, we've read a bunch of other Stephen King stuff, there's all these Easter eggs, that's really cool. And then you're going to get the people that are like, cool, I want to see, like, a Kill a Clown movie. And that's, I mean, unfortunately, as much as I want it to be, like, the 80s slasher genre, which we're never going to get back, mm-hmm. you're going to have to make it for both parties. And I think this one did it really well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the problem was making it a Blumhouse film. Oh. <laughs> really? That's Jason Blumhouse. That, that's all he does is he makes those casual horror fan films. Yeah. yeah. EG, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's not meant for... Wait, Origin of Evil is awesome. I'm a, I'm no, a, it, it really wasn't. Oh, man, I gave that, I gave that <laughs> film really a review online. <laughs> it, like, it really, they're really bad. They're really bad. They're, I can't, like, stress how bad they are. <laughs> like, they're bad. It's just because you, you hate James Wan. We're never going to agree on that. James Wan didn't even direct Ouija. Well, I know, but he, it's the James Wan horror motif is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Because it's cheap. It's cheap. It's cheap horror. It's cheap scares. There's nothing genuinely terrifying about it. If I, you know, it's just jumps. And it's that's, like, you know, I, I like jump scares if it's in a movie that doesn't take itself seriously. Like, this one, um, this one had Hellfest. some of the, like, the... You know what I mean? Hellfest, it made sense for, for me to jump through the whole movie. It's a damn haunted, haunted house movie, yeah. you know? It didn't take itself seriously. It was a giant freaking joke. Yeah. I'm okay jumping through stuff like that. But when you have a serious plot, like, I don't want to just jump the whole movie. I want to be scared. I want that to freak me the fuck out. It's a Ouija board. Yeah. Freak me the fuck out. Yeah. Alright. Uh, uh, so Blumhouse does. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a, like hardcore not into any Blumhouse then. Like. I, I'm really not. Like, okay. When I found out that they were doing Halloween, I was disappointed. Okay. Well. well I didn't I'm, think it was going to be very good. But yeah. I, I actually really liked it. Yeah. So. I'm glad they so. surprised you. So, like, the haunted Blumhouse stuff you don't like, but, I mean, if they continue to, down the route of, like, slashers, which, obviously, I mean, they, they proved with this one they could do, but if he could get, somehow get his hands on, like, Friday, are you going to give Jason Blum 
So I don't think so. No. You know, the thing is, is that I'm I'm so obsessed with Halloween that really they they could have done anything, and I think I would have loved it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I, mean, I think I would like I'm on the same boat as you. You've got you've got a Halloween tattoo on your arm. I've got Michael on my stomach. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's 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 the fandom. Even the bad ones, like I mean, Resurrection is a piece of shit. I love watching Resurrection, but me too. If you get friends over and you have a beer or two, and that movie is one of the fun, most fun experiences you'll ever have in your life. Yeah, it's it's just so bad, and people will be like, "Well, why do you like these?" I'm like, "Well, just watch the first one." <laughs> Halloween Five, like Tina is infuriating, and oh, I will sit God. through it. I yeah. will sit through it. I will watch it over and over because it's Michael Myers. So it really didn't matter who did it. It didn't matter what happened. I was going to love it. I mean, mm-hmm. I loved it a lot more than I thought I would. But I feel like if they, if Blumhouse gets their hands on, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, stuff like that. Stuff that I do love, but I don't love as much as I love Michael Myers. Then I, I think it's, I think it'll disappoint me. Yeah, I mean, the, the point is to also get someone who cares about it and, I you know I like Danny McBride. I think he's bound it down as one of like one of the funniest shows on TV. But I was like, ah, oh, Danny McBride, like, what are you doing? And yeah. he, he he came through. I mean, he you know. Yeah, he did. I I feel like he he really loves the series, and you can't kind of pigeonhole someone with just like a comedy role. He's you know he's a big he's a big horror fan, and he's someone who cared about it. And he did a, a pretty damn good job. He obviously knew what he was doing or yeah. what he was talking about. He knew I, the series. You know, we talk about the like preferences and stuff. I feel like this, like if you and I sat down and read a Halloween movie, this is kind of close to what we would have probably come up with. <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on that note, um, I feel like uh, we might wrap it up unless uh, there's something you guys uh, want to touch on before we, we finish off. Anne? Tommy? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we we both enjoyed it, and I'm I'm positive for the future. I guess is the right thing to say. Bring it oh, on! Yeah. Bring it on! Halloween too. Yep. Um, <laughs> the, the, the third Halloween too that we're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Halloween two point three. Um, all right. Uh, so uh, you do you have anything coming up on the on the site, Anne, that you want to plug, or just tell everyone to read um, what you've already the Halloween review that you already have up. Um. No, somebody somebody's done Suspiria. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to watch that though. Yeah. That's next week, huh? It is next week. That's. Yeah. <laughs> there will certainly be a podcast on that. Actually, everyone. Oh yeah, we will be talking about that. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm, I might hurt Anne's feelings here, but I don't think the original Suspiria is that good. So yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> kind of interested in like seeing how this one's gonna do. <laughs> I do like Juan, but I don't know. Like he, Demons is way better than Suspiria. That's beside the point. That's for another podcast. <laughs> but, I mean, what we, those kinds of discussions will be had on on the Suspiria podcast, which I have already seen um, because I got to see it at oh, press screening. Awesome. Yeah, and then Sean actually, Sean Cordy wrote a site for or wrote a, a review from Fantastic Fest for the site because he got to see the um, the surprise screening, the bastard. Um, and yeah, I'll be. That's how I felt when I got an early screening of Spider-Man: Homecoming. I rubbed that in everyone's face. <laughs> uh, I I keep rubbing the Suspiria thing in my, everyone's face. I, he literally saw it like t- less than twenty-four hours before I did, so like I have no reason to be, you know, feel bad. I mean, do we get? Is it? It's thumbs up or thumbs down? I will tell you that after we have stopped recording, <laughs> 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 uh, because I can't right now. Um, 
but I will be writing instead of I usually would do a big review for like the actual release date um, because I got to go to that press screening. But I think I'm actually going to write like a big, um, a big, in depth digging in sort of piece about it that will either go up um, the t after the it comes out on the 26th for in limited release, or I might wait till the November 2nd because I'm going to spoil all the things and talk about all the things that happened in it. So I want people to have a chance to see that um, before before I actually, you know, dig into everything. Um, and that'll be up on the site. I have, uh, what do I have on the site right now? Um, on Her Shoulders will probably be up by this time this is up. I have a review of a documentary about um, the art market and how it's um, sort of become a commodities trading um, enterprise more than it is about like artistic value um it, it it can basically the that concept can all be summed up in the fact that um banksy shredded his own <laughs> piece at an auction a couple of weeks ago um the second it, it went it, the the gavel slammed down it's imagine that but in documentary movie form um and then, um, yeah, Suspiria I'll have uh, coming soon. And then, Tommy, I think, I don't think I have anything from you coming up. Do I? No, I think Creed 2, which is at the end of next month. So yes. I got a, I got a minute. Okay. Um, uh, you can read my scathing Venom review, though, in the meantime. Um, <laughs> people wonder, why didn't you like it? Read why and, and go see it and you'll know why. Yeah, that's a good review. He, he, he lays it out very clearly. Um, and, uh, you can find me at Marissa Carpico. You can find us at thepopbreak.com. There's tons of stuff coming. Um, Halloween is already up. Can you ever forgive me? It should be up by the time this is out. Um, and then, yeah, look for all that Suspiria coverage. This is just going to be eventually a full on Suspiria website for about three weeks straight. Um, all right. The more horror, the better. Absolutely. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. 